Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I want to welcome you to the Big Ten. And, you know, in Northeast Ohio here, the Big Ten Conference is really, really important. Now there's 14 teams, and I love football. That's my number one college sport. I also love track and field. That probably would be my second one to watch. And, of course, I love the Buckeyes. And I'm really a, a really odd fan, and I'll tell you why. Like on Saturdays, I come in at 9 for prayer, and if Ohio State plays a noon game, I record it, but I won't watch it at night until I know the score um, because I can't enjoy it unless I know we won. And if we didn't win, I won't watch the game. Last week for the Browns and the Steelers, um, I saw we were losing at halftime, so I left the house and went to do a couple errands, and then I'm out running these errands, and I see that we uh, actually tied it up, and I was like, oh, I should have stayed home, but I become so frustrated if my team's not winning, and uh, we're going to talk about another Big Ten today. It's, it's God's Big Ten, and uh, God's Big Ten's been around for 3,462 years, and uh, the Big Ten Conference has been here for 118 years, and God's Big Ten when I say that, I'm referring to the Ten Commandments. And depending on who you are, you know, maybe you're not a Christian and you're listening, you might think, I mean, aren't those really done away with? Those aren't relevant for today. And even if you're a Christian, you may have some thoughts like, weren't those for the Old Testament, for the Jews? Uh, we're no longer under the law. Why do we need to listen to or understand the Ten Commandments? And that's my heart today. I want to help you see that they are relevant for the church. You know, the Bible says in the book of Malachi, I am the Lord and I change not. Covenants change, but commandments, when they have to do with your, your, your purity and my purity, those never change. They're always the same. Uh, Hebrews 13 declares that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know he's one with the word, that he's called the word, he's one with the Bible. And those commandments are still relevant. We may look at them a little bit differently from a different perspective, but they're very relevant for us today. So let's read the Big Ten, and here's, here's how they read. Um, number one is you must have no other gods but me. Verse, uh, number two would be you must not make any graven images. Number three is you must not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number four is remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, you must not murder. Number seven, you must not commit adultery. Number eight, you must not steal. Number nine, you must not bear false witness against your neighbor. And number 10, you must not covet your neighbor's house, wife, and it goes on and lists all kinds of things. And your neighbor's referring to anyone who's not you. And the Bible's just telling us we shouldn't covet. If I were to theme this series, I think I could say something like this. If you take care of the Big Ten, you'll live a big life. And uh, it's really important that you and I understand them. So I'm going to do my best to show you three things we should understand about the Ten Commandments as we open this lesson up. And several years ago, I took a trip. And I went uh, from Southern California. I drove one of my vehicles. I drove my vehicle from Southern California back here to Ohio and I took the northern route for the first time in my life. And I'll never forget, 
I came out of California, went into Nevada, passed up Las Vegas, and after Vegas, I went into Utah, and I, say, I saw St. George, and, and just incredible, beautiful city, but what, what was most beautiful about it is the scenery, how it sat in these stone mountains and all the colors of the mountains. It was absolutely spectacular. So I drive across Utah, and I was blown away. I saw scenes like this as I drove, and our, our projector with all the lights coming down on the stage, you're not able to see the vibrancy of those colors, but they were stunning. And I remember I stopped four different times along the road just to stare at this scenery. But then I also hit places like this, and uh, when you hit a place like this, let me ask you a question. H how many of you are excited about guardrails? <laughs> how many of you would be upset that the guardrails were there? If, if you were on that road. How many of you would say, those guard rails are, uh, they're, they're just pinching, they're, they're just squelching my, my creative driving skills. I don't think any of us would say that. I mean, I, I think we'd be really glad that the guardrails were there. And here's one way we should look at the Ten Commandments. I'd like to call them God rails. And they help us from walking over in the cliffs of life and crashing. And in the United States of America, non-Christians and Christians, a lot of people crashing. They're going over the cliffs of life because they don't have the guardrails up. And this is a true, this is absolutely true. Take a look at this. Um, th this place is Death Road in Bolivia. And uh, I want you to notice, are there guardrails up there? No. If the nation of Bolivia had a website and they said, we can't afford to put guardrails up on death road, I would make a donation today after church. And here's why. 250 people, cars, 250 cars a year, they go off of this road. And here's what, where they end up. Take a look at this picture. They end up there. And uh, so way more people than 250. And you know, you know what's happening with so many Christians and non-Christians? They're falling off the cliffs of life, and they're ending up like those cars. So the number one reason that I would give for the Ten Commandments is real simple. They're guardrails, and, and we need to understand all ten of them. Now take a look at where America is. This is a recent USA Today poll, and only 14% of Americans can accurately name all ten commandments. So 86% of Americans don't have their guardrails 100% up. And uh, that's why so many Christians and so many non-Christians in America, they just keep crashing over these cliffs. Now, the same poll went on to say this. I thought it was interesting. 74% of Americans can name all three stooges. And maybe it's just because there's only three of them. But, uh, you know, Moe, Mo, Larry, and Curly, why, certainly. And uh, I, I love Curly Q. Link. He was absolutely awesome. Take a look at this one, guys. 35% of Americans can recall all six kids from the Brady Bunch. So stop a moment. Can, can you recall all six? Um, I'm not one of the 35%, so I wrote them down. Greg, Peter, Bobby, Marcia, Jan, and Cindy. How about this one? 25% of Americans can name all seven ingredients of McDonald's Big Mac. And maybe, maybe we should get a clue. Maybe it's because it, they put it to a song. And uh, maybe we should put the Ten Commandments to a song. And, and I'm not one of the ones that can remember it, but I wrote it down. You guys ready? To all beef, patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions. Uh, sesame seed bun, baby. And uh, that, that, is, that is where the state of America is at. And that 14% is a very small percentage 
of people so the guardrails aren't up. Here's another reason why the Ten Commandments are really important. It's really important to get them into our culture. It's because the law was given to lead people to Christ. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He wrote nearly three-quarters of the New Testament, by the way. He said this, I would have not known it's a sin to covet unless I heard the command, thou shalt not covet. And, and I'm using the word law, but it's referring to the commandments in the law. And listen to this scripture. It goes like this, Galatians 3.24. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. So here's what God gave us the commandments for to show us that we have a sin problem. That's how simple it is. And we cannot stop sinning, so we need a Savior. So that's why the commandments lead people to Christ. And the Holy Spirit uses those to convict people. I remember when I was that young boy at 19 and Lou came to share Christ with me. And one of the first things he asked me is he said, Joe, if you were to die, where do you think you'd go, heaven or hell? And I shocked him with my answer because I said, oh, I'd go to hell. And uh, so he said, why would you say that? People don't say that. And I said, well, I already broke eight of the Ten Commandments, and you give me another year or two, I, I can break all ten of them. And uh, I said, I, there's nowhere for me to go. How did I know that? Because I knew God's big ten. And I knew I have a sin problem, and God had sent Lou to show me the answer to the sin problem. So you may be sitting here, and here's the third thing I want you to understand about these Ten Commandments. You might be asking yourself, okay, why are they relevant for me now that I've accepted Christ? I'm no longer under the law. I'm saved by grace. Here's what I like to say. I like to say it this way. The law was given to be a standard for Christians. And when you look at Christianity in, in America, uh, so many Christians just are 100% unaware of God's standard. God's standard is a standard of purity. And, and so many Christians don't even know how God wants us to live and those Ten Commandments give us the standards. And we understand, oh, this is what God wants. But now here's what happens. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, here's what happens. Happens to me, happens to you. We realize we can't keep them without God's help. And that's okay. We, we can only keep them by the grace of God. And so I like what this scripture says, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin, and that's Jesus. So Jesus was tempted to break the Ten Commandments. He was tempted to sin in many ways, but temptation isn't a sin. He never sinned. He just said no to it. He spoke scripture to it, as we've talked about in other lessons. But he is our high priest, so when you go to him, he understands temptation. Listen to how it goes on, verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's a couple cool kings or cool things in this verse. Number one, the, the, the throne of grace is referring to us going to God in prayer. And how many of you like the fact that the Bible says we can go up there with confidence? Do you know what that means? It means that if you're a Christian, God loves you and you are washed and you're clean and you're blameless in his sight and you're holy. Why? Because you accepted Christ. And so God's up in heaven not wanting to slap you Here's what God wants. He wants you to come to him for help. Did you notice the first thing we receive from God is mercy? Mercy is a do-over. It, it's us saying, Lord, I sinned, forgive me. And God's saying, okay, I forgive you. I wash it away. And God always has mercy for us. But you know what else he has for us? 
We see the standard. We tell God, I keep failing with this standard. And then Jesus made it worse. You know, Jesus comes and he says, you've heard it said you should not commit adultery. Well, I say unto you, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. I'm saying, now Jesus, you know, it was pretty easy to say, okay, I won't do it. Now you're saying if I even have thoughts, it's wrong. The standard went up. And you say, Lord, I'm failing in this one. I'm failing in that one. And here's what God says. Ask me for grace. You can only obey these by the grace of God. And grace is God's ability that supersedes our ability. So God says, hey, here's my standard. You're never going to arrive without my help. And you'll probably be tempted in some areas your entire life. So come to me for grace and just shoot for the standard. So today, I'm going to teach the first four commandments. And you might wonder, how can he teach four of them in one day? It's real simple. They're all connected, and they all have to do with us understanding that God is God, and we're people. We're just people. And what I mean by that is this. Oftentimes when we accept Christ, we we learn some really cool things. When we accepted Christ, we were born again on the inside. We're created in His image and in His likeness, and we learn that we're blameless and holy in His sight. You heard me throw some of those phrases out already. We hear this. We're seated with him together in heavenly places. That's cool. But then it's easy if you learn that and you don't understand these first four commandments, it's easy to kind of think that God's our buddy. I mean, he does want to have a relationship with us, but God is God. <laughs> and and to these first four today, man, they're, they're showing us God. God is God and and we're just people. We're not part of the Godhead. We're not God. We're his kids. We're created in his image. That's all wonderful. And that takes condemnation away from us. But I'm not God. And the first four are all about placing God in the position of awe. He's God. And I really think that's something I've had to learn in my life. I've, I've had to grow in this. And it's something that a lot of Christians in America have to grow in. And we'll see that. So here's what I want you to walk away remembering today. It's real simple. God bends towards you when you bow to him. Now that phrase bowing to God simply means you see him as God. And you, you, you see him and have an awe for him. And, and you bow your heart and you say, God, you're God. I love you. And I see you as the creator. And I'm the created one. And we place God in that perspective. And you may wonder, what does it mean God bends towards us? I think the scripture says it all. Listen to this scripture. Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect towards him so that he can show his great power in helping them. So the first part Notice what God's doing. He's, I think it's so cool. God's looking for people all over the world, and here's what he's looking for. Not perfect people, perfect hearts. There's a difference. Remember how the Bible said that David, King David in the Old Testament, he had a heart after God, and God loved him because of that? David wasn't perfect. David committed adultery and murder. He, he had to repent and go to God for forgiveness. So it's not about perfection. It's about is your heart bowed to God? Do you place him in the position where he belongs? That's the first part, but here's God bending towards you. The second part, he's looking so he can show great power in helping you. And God, when you put him in his place, God will place his hand of grace and blessing upon your life. And he's just looking for people 
that say, I'm humbling myself before God. God is God, and I'm the created one. And that's what we see in the first four commandments. So we're going to do one and two together. So listen, listen to the first two. I want to read them in their context so, so they have more impact. Exodus 20, verse 1. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. And that's a type of Jesus rescuing us from our enemy and sin. Verse 3, you must not have any other God but me. You must not make yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. And so, commandments 1 and 2. He goes on to say this, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. And I want to stop for a moment. Did you know the Bible says when you accept Christ, you're redeemed from the curses of, of the commandments and the laws? How many of you are, are excited you're redeemed from this curse? I, now, now, this is important too. Don't let the enemy play with your head and tell you your problems are a result of something you did or your parents did and it's a generational curse. When you come into Christ, those things are broken. Now listen to me very carefully. Here's God bending towards you. It's right in the first two commandments. He says, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Did you know we're not redeemed from the blessings? <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we're not redeemed from these. And here's what God's saying. If you bow to me, I'll bend towards you. God bends towards you when you bow to him. And I want you to notice this phrase in our scripture. Uh, he said this, I, the Lord, in, in middle of verse 5, your God am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. And I know most of us in this room, we're not worshiping idols. I, I know that. But there's a lot of things on this earth that can become a God or an idol in our lives. And God wants us to see him as the supreme God and have no other idols. Nothing should be more important to us than God. He's a jealous God. Guys, uh, you have to see this as an analogy, but the Bible teaches us that we are the bride of Christ. If you're a Christian, you're part of the bride of Christ. And what God's trying to say is this, spiritually we have been united with christ and we're one with him and it's just like you and i when we're married down here on this earth so i, I want to ask you a question if gina came to me and said hey joe um she said you're really busy on saturdays you come in at nine for prayer you're here all the way through service sometimes i stay afterwards and do some work uh and she said you know what i'm really lonely on saturday so i have a saturday guy i picked up and uh we have coffee in the morning because you're busy praying. And then uh, we do dinner after church because you stay after and work sometimes. And, and, and she just said that to me. How, how, how would you feel? Guys, how would you feel if your wife said it? How, how would you feel? What do you think I would do? Probably shoot the guy. Okay. <laughs> or you'd have to pray for me that I didn't. And, and uh, listen, listen. If I came to Gina and I said, honey, you work late. You counsel late on Thursday nights. And and I'm all alone, and I'm bored. So I have a Thursday night girl. We just do dinner together. And uh, uh, what do you think Gina would say? I can guarantee you she would not hesitate. I can guarantee you she would say, 
hit the road, Joe, and don't you come back no more, no more. C can, you, can, you, can you relate it to marriage? You're the bride of Christ. And what God's declaring and, and speaking to you and I is he's letting us know, hey, I want you to see me as God, and I want you to put me in a place that's above everything in all the world. And so the idea is, God, whatever you say in the Bible, I'm going to do. God, whatever you want, I'm connected to you, and nothing on this earth is more important to me. That's what the first two commandments are declaring. Now, the third one's really fascinating, and I have, boy, I, I've had to grow in this area. It, it's, uh, it's Exodus 20 and verse 7. It says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse your name. Again, how many of us are excited we're redeemed from the curse? Yay! Okay, notice the first part. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. It's, it's holy. And just as he is holy and, and we should have an awe of him, his name is. Now, when I was a young Christian, I stopped with the GDs and the JCs pretty quick. But, but this is talking about misusing his name. And what it's trying to say to us is, his name is so holy because he's holy. It, it, it is so special and unique that we need to watch how we use that name because that name is really amazing. Now, I'm going to tell on myself uh, because I had to grow in this area. And uh, when, when I was in Bible school, I was dating Gina, and, uh, and she has a twin sister, Lori. They're both sitting together uh, right up here in front today. They're identical twins. And I'd go pick her up and take, take her out on a date, and I'd walk in, and Lori was always so, so nice, and she'd say, you know, hi, Joe, how was your day? Really nice. And when I'm in, you know, smaller groups, I like to say outrageous things just, just to make people laugh, and I, I try to make them wholesome and all that. But uh, uh, back then, I didn't have the name of God and God in the place where it should have been. And so I would say things like this. I, I'd say to Lori, she greets me so nice, I said, oh, I had a rough day, man. God the Father and Jesus got into an argument, and I had to counsel them for two hours. And I would see Lori cringe, and she'd get this look on her face. Gina would punch my shoulder and say, don't say that. That's God. And I'd say, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. God understands I'm joking. He knows my heart. And God had to take me from that place to bring me to this place to realize, and you know what? That's a holy name, and I have to treat it holy. And you and I, uh, we get into habits. Don't we all like phrases and we all say things? So I want to show you just three ways that we could easily misuse the name of the Lord. And the first one is invalidating ourselves, which would kind of be like, I swear to God, cross my heart, hope to die. Yes, God is my witness. And isn't it easy to say phrases like that? But, but God's saying, you know what? I have this holy name. I don't want you to just throw it in and validate yourself with my name. And if we don't know the Ten Commandments, if we don't have those God rails up in our life, uh, we don't put God into the place where God needs to be. And remember, God bends towards us when we bow to him, and he wants us to place him into that place of awe. Here, here's another one, uh, speaking in God's behalf. And that's really easy to do. And we might say things like, the Lord told me, or thus saith the Lord. And I want to be really careful here. Um, I believe that the Lord speaks to our hearts, so I want, I want you to know that. And uh, I believe in prophesying. I believe in those things. But I think sometimes um, we throw God's name around a little bit too loosely 
And it's really important not to do that. And I'll challenge some people. If I'm discipling people, working with them, I'll challenge them. And I'll, I'll say things to them like this. I'll say, are you willing to wage your eternal salvation on the fact that that was God? And I've never had anyone take me up on that. No one's ever taken me up on that. And here's what I tell them. I believe in being led by God. I believe in the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. But I wouldn't throw that name around like you do, man. I, I would just say, I really believe God's leading me to do this. And then I would let it work itself out. So, that, you know, prove it. Prove that it's God. But I think sometimes we're just a little bit too loose with thus saith the Lord. And sometimes we hide behind that. <laughs> this actually happened in a service. A man stood up and he said, he began to prophesy. And he said, yes, my children, just as God took Moses up in the chariot and brought him into his presence, thus saith the Lord, he's going to do the same with you. Then the guy sat down. About 30 seconds later, the same guy got up. And he said, thus saith the Lord, I meant Elijah, not Moses. And uh, how many of you know that wasn't the Lord? Just wasn't the Lord. And I just think we have to be careful uh, not, not to speak in God's behalf. And again, I believe in God leading us and so on and so forth. And here's the third way, uh, cursing and joking with God's name. And, and I, that one's kind of obvious, you know, and, and I would just encourage you if you struggle with that. We had a guy here at the church, he was a new Christian, and he owned a business, and he told me at his business, because he had other Christians that came to church here that worked for him, he said they had a cuss can. And uh, he said every time they cussed, they had to put 50 cents in it, and then they donated it to to the Lord. And so he said they just, you know, they wanted to break the habit, so they were throwing money in that cuss can so they wouldn't do that. Why don't we cuss? Does God not want us to have fun or be ourselves? No, no, it's a God rail. It's us knowing that his name is so precious, we don't want to use it in that particular way. And some of you, uh, like me, it's just a habit to say certain things. I'm not just talking about the, the cussing. It's just a habit to do certain things. And God's going to grow you in this because you sat in this message today. Here, here's number four, and I want to bring this fourth commandment into our covenant, Exodus 28, and it reads like this. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household uh, may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart. And we know we're not under the old covenant. We know we're not Jewish. I remember the first time I went to Israel, um, I'm in Israel, and Friday night comes. The, the Sabbath in, for Jewish people, it begins at sunset on Friday, and it ends at sunset on Saturday. So the times will vary. It's all about where the sun sets. And I remember the first time I'm in Jerusalem. I'm in the Jewish part of Jerusalem because uh, they have four quarters in the old city. And when the sun set on Friday night, everybody disappeared. All the, all the stores closed. Everyone disappeared. And for 24 hours, there's just no one around. They were in the house. Uh, they went to synagogue. They were enjoying family. They were hanging out together. And then Saturday when that sun set, all the stores opened. And you see families, husbands, wives, kids. They're walking. They're getting ice cream. They're enjoying each other. And it was, to me, absolutely amazing to see that working in their lives. 
Now, I realize we live in America, and I want to I go over some, stat, some history with you. Th this is Sabbath history. Uh, <clears throat> we're taught to follow the principle of the Sabbath in the New Testament, so we're not under the law, but we follow the principle. And, and listen to this. The earliest church in the Bible changed the Sabbath to Sunday. Did you ever notice when you read the New Testament, it says they met on the first day of the week? Saturday is the last day of the week on the Jewish calendar. So the Christians brought Sabbath into the first day, which is Sunday, and that's the day they went to church, and that's the day they took off, and they relaxed. I grew up, uh, like many of you here, when on Sundays almost every store was closed when I was a kid. You had a gas station and maybe a convenience store open. That was cool, because when I was in high school, um, I, I just remember I had a part-time job, but the store was closed on, on, on Sunday. So guess what Sunday was? I always went to church with my dad, and we, we'd go to early service, and then he'd come home and, and he'd cook. I mean, it was crazy. He'd cook bacon, and then he would fry potatoes in the bacon grease, then he would cook sausage, then he would cook the eggs and all that grease, and that was the breakfast, and we brought donuts home. How many of you know that's not the best way to eat? And, and, uh, but here's what I loved about Sunday. None of us worked because every place was closed, and it was a day where we had dinner together, it was a day where we'd go see grandparents. We had time. There was nothing to do. No, no store was open. You couldn't shop. And I, I, know, I know we're allowed to do that, but it was so cool to just have a day when you could shut down. And I, I, I think that's a good thing. Now, listen to this. In, in the early days of our nation, this is true. This is historically true. They couldn't decide what day to make the Sabbath, so they gave us Saturday and Sunday off. We were the first nation to have a five-day work week because they argued, should it be Saturday, should it be Sunday? They said, ah, let's give, let's give both days off. Now, now those days aren't really off for so many people, but back then, that's why we had a Saturdays off and we had Sundays off. So how does this apply to you? What, what does the Sabbath mean for a Christian? Let me help you out. Here's four reasons. To remember and honor Jesus' work. So it's a day when we take some time to remember and honor Jesus. Here's the second to connect with Jesus and his family. You guys are in church. You know, you're doing a really cool thing. You're honoring the Sabbath principle. You came to church, and after church, you guys hang out and you talk. I mean, first service, I, I thought, are they going to leave? We need room for second service, you know. But they were out in the lobbies. We were just having a blast talking and hanging out, and that's a good thing. Uh, church is part of growth and discipleship. You connect with God. You connect with the family of God. Number three, to rest. All of us should have a rest day. Some of us, it can't be Sunday, but find a day where you can rest. I am religiously, I religiously take Mondays off. I work six days a week, but I take Mondays off, and that's my day of rest. And then number, number four, to have fun and make memories. And I think you have to have a day where you can hang out with your mate, hang out with your kids if they're young, and just have that day. That's the Sabbath principle. And God gave these to us. Can we all agree not to mess our lives up? but they're God rails. And God says, I'll bend towards you if you bow to me and you place me in that position of awe. And that's going to be my prayer today. Can we, can we bow our heads and close our eyes? And I want to pray for you. Lord, I've done my best to teach something that's been here a long time, your Big Ten. Lord, we thank you for the first four. And Lord, we thank you that we can place you in this position of awe and we can see you for who you are. And Lord, I prayed this after worship. I prayed again. Open up our hearts and our eyes to see you and place you in the position where you should be placed. Allow an awe for you to come over the church in a greater way than it's ever been, Lord.
And I thank you for doing that in every one of our lives. And just stay in an attitude of prayer. I know God's been dealing with hearts. He'll continue to deal with hearts as we progress. But let's bow our heads, close our eyes, stay in an attitude of prayer. And if you're here and you're not sure if you're forever, I mean, we talked about, you know, how Jesus brings us salvation. The Ten Commandments let us know, hey, I have a sin problem. I need a Savior. And if you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a day when I prayed and made it personal with Jesus. You know, living in America, you may, have, you may be a member of a church, you may go to church, but here's the question. Can you remember a day that from your heart you made it personal and you said, Jesus, I realize you're the only way to heaven and I give you my heart and I call on your name today. If you can't remember that day, would you pray with me right now? If you say, I'm ready, would you pray with me? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Everybody else, help them pray. And say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe I receive you as Savior. And all of us can say this every day. Here's the last part. And I make you Lord of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.